Coming up on the Keto Camp Podcast, we welcome back my friend, Daniel Hamilton, to discuss all things blood sugar and insulin. Here we go. The mainstream recommendation is to, if you have hypoglycemia or reactive hypoglycemia, they will tell you eat complex carbs and protein every two hours. And what do we know is that that will worsen the root cause of the disease. If you're not a type one diabetic, but if you find yourself treating any sort of blood sugar issue with sugar, you have to stop and take a hard look and say, I need someone to help me figure this out because I will tell you right now, that's not the way. We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp Podcast, we are determined to deliver the science to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations so you could apply it and change your life. Your body was built to thrive. Your body is capable of healing as long as you identify the interference and remove it. I believe you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper, Ben Azadi here, the host of the Keto Camp Podcast. Thank you so much for choosing us today. We are very grateful. If this is your first time joining the show, welcome. Thanks for being here. Consider subscribing. If you're coming back, thanks so much for coming back. We bring on my friend, Daniel Hamilton, who is a master at teaching you the science and the art of mastering your blood sugars. Danielle came down to the studio here in Miami, Florida to record an in-person podcast. So the sound is incredible. We recorded the video footage as well with three different camera angles. It looks amazing. It sounds amazing. If you want to watch the video interview, with Danielle, that's on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash keto camp. And the p- topics that we discussed today are the following. Why chronic glucose and insulin spikes shorten your lifespan while causing numerous symptoms. What to do if your blood sugar drops when you don't eat or snack. The difference between hyperglycemia and hypoglycemia On the topic of hypoglycemia, she's going to talk about this basement effect, which makes a lot of sense, especially for those who are testing glucose. And we will discuss how to test glucose uh, via a continuous glucose monitor or something like a keto mojo. She shares some custom tips on how to optimize your blood sugar levels, why the perfect ratio of macronutrients for the optimal blood sugar support and balance is fat fiber, and protein, why you don't want to eat high carb and high fat at the same time, how circadian rhythm, the time that you eat, and the stress you have impact your blood glucose levels, and a lot more. She's fun. She's smart. She has been doing this for quite some time. She has her own pain to purpose story, which she shared when I interviewed her a couple years ago. And we were hanging out in Sarasota just a few days before this interview at Dr. John Lawrence's event. And we, we discussed a little bit, some stories from that event and the dinner that we had, et cetera. So you're going to love the conversation. It was so much fun. Before I bring it on, I want to get to today's Apple podcast rating and review of the day. 
This is a five-star review from Tree Tat titled Buckle Up. I've been researching the keto space for a while now, but Ben has by far the best podcast I've listened to. The guests he brings are phenomenal, and Ben himself is a pleasure to listen to. The amount of information provided in each episode is amazing, and don't get me started on the show notes. The show notes are amazing. Best I've ever seen. I've been researching keto and low-carb over the past few years, but I've been listening to Ben and his guests and reading books they have all suggested and inspired me to do more. I'm currently a nurse practitioner. May seem, seem crazy that a podcast changed my life, but that's exactly what has happened. This, this podcast has helped me to see where my true passion lies and take the steps to become my true authentic self. Thank you, Ben, for being your true authentic self and providing us with an abundance of knowledge. I will be forever grateful. You're amazing. Congratulations. Way to determine your values, your purpose, and to live on purpose with that purpose. We need more people like you. So kudos to you. I'm excited for you. And thank you for being a listener. And thank you for leaving that review. If you have not left the show a rating or a review as of yet, please do so on whatever platform you're listening from today. It makes a huge difference. And I would maybe read your review on the next episode. A couple things before we bring on Danielle. I've been mentioning this seed oil allergy card I put together for you to avoid seed oils at restaurants. I use it every time I'm at a restaurant. It works like a charm. And you don't want those seed oils in your body because it takes years to remove them. That is inflammation for years from just one meal that has seed oils. So you download this card for free over at seedoilcard.com or click the link in the podcast notes. Download the image on your phone. Save it maybe like in your favorites folder or a different folder you could get to and show the server immediately when you're at the restaurant. And they'll see the bad oils not to cook with and the good oils. And boom, you avoid the hit. So you can get that for free. My gift to you, seedoilcard.com. Second thing is that I am taking a small group of people through a 90-day heavy metals detox program. I only do this a couple times per year, and the next group is about to start. We have a few spots left. I think we have 11, 10 or 11 spots left. And for 90 days, I'm going to teach you how to remove these metals from your body. Mercury from the brain, lead from the bone, and other metals like cadmium, et cetera, aluminum, safely, because most people don't do it the right way. They actually make things worse. And detox needs to be done the right way. So I'm going to teach you how to do this the right way. All of the supplements are included with the price of the program. And guess what? The price of the program is a fraction of the cost of what I've spent to learn this and what I teach my one-on-one clients. It's a fraction of the cost of that. You'll get four group coaching calls with me, an online portal that you have lifetime access to with videos and guides, meal plans, et cetera. And the price is very affordable. So I'd love to show you the way. Head over to ketocampdetox.com to learn more. And you might be one of the last 10 or 11 people to get in there because it's going to close once we reach that capacity. Ketocampdetox.com. Click the link in the podcast notes to learn more about it. All right, let's discuss blood sugar with Danielle Hamilton. Danielle Hamilton, who goes by Danny, has been on a journey for quite some time after she went through her own pain-to-purpose story and discovered paleo and keto, it has changed her life. She has overcome PCOS and other health symptoms that we're going to discuss today. And now she is a nutritional therapy practitioner. She has an incredible Instagram and YouTube and website and courses. She's been working with students for quite some time. I have learned so much from her when it comes to mastering your blood glucose. And we are honored to have her today. Here is Daniel Hamilton. 
Daniel Hamilton, welcome back to the Keto Camp Podcast. Thanks for having me, Ben. I'm super excited to be here. We're here in person. Yay. Yay. <laughs> uh, well, you're familiar with Miami. You lived here for quite some time, Flo yes. Florida in general. We were just uh, in Sarasota a few days ago at Dr. John Lawrence's event. It was an amazing time. We got to hang out with some mutual friends in our biohacking space and have dinner. And we said, hey, let's make a record a podcast because we're you're in Florida. Yeah. So you're here and you've been on the show was it once before? Yeah, I think once, before, once yeah. and you did a masterclass for my students. I did. So you did a blood sugar masterclass. So this is our third official conversation. Yes. And there's a lot of cool things that we're going to talk about today that, that Danielle has done so much research on. You've been working with so many students and clients, and it's right up your alley for those who are doing keto carnivore, keto flexing, et cetera. So the blood sugar conversation, it's getting more popular like yeah. because of people like you and others that are speaking about this on, on huge platforms. Why is it so important to control those blood sugar and insulin spikes? Yeah, it's so important because our blood sugar affects how we feel at every second of the day. So it affects us in the short term and also has huge impacts on our long-term health. So blood sugar spikes can bring about immediate symptoms and they often lead to those crashes because when our blood sugar goes up, we get a huge rise of insulin and oftentimes the insulin kind of overshoots. Our body's like, oh, she's eating again. And we have this history of eating the standard American diet. And so we've been eating a lot of many of us, ultra processed carbohydrates. And then our pancreas sends out this huge amount of insulin, which the job of insulin, don't glaze over. This is, yeah, I make it easy to understand. But the idea is that insulin takes sugar out of the blood, puts it into the cells of the body to be used to make energy. That's a real simple way of understanding it. And so that's how insulin lowers blood sugar. But sometimes we get too much insulin and that blood sugar comes crashing down really fast or goes really low. And so either high blood sugar, low blood sugar, or any quick change in blood sugar, it can drive symptoms. So some of these early symptoms could be a lot of brain symptoms, lightheadedness, shakiness, difficulty concentrating, brain fog, anxiety, irritability, and then it starts to send us hunger signals. So it's like, we need food really quickly, get quick energy, uh, urgent cravings, urgent hunger. And we could also get things like heart palpitations, feel nauseous, have headaches, start sweating, get really shaky. So everyone's symptoms are going to look a little bit different. So that's why it's hard to always pinpoint what it is. So I had a lot of symptoms of blood sugar issues and mine usually happened when my blood sugar was low and I used to wake up shaking after sleeping at night. And I'm like, oh, I'm such a breakfast person. I need to have <laughs> breakfast. And it was really low blood sugar. Then I'd have coffee and then start shaking again. And I thought it was too much caffeine, but really the coffee spiked my blood sugar and then crashed it because of the cortisol. So I got a blood sugar crash after that. Again, send in the shakiness. And I was a person who needed to eat every couple of hours. I was like, I'm a grazer. I'm a snacker. I had all these labels for myself. I used to say, I don't have a sweet tooth. All my teeth are sweet, <laughs> you know? And I just thought that was part of my personality that like after a meal, I needed something sweet because I'm not chocolate lover. Again, these, these, these labels that we give ourselves and I didn't realize, oh my goodness, these are signs of blood sugar issues. So my blood sugar issues were driving so many of my behaviors. I, it also drove binge eating for me. I used to be really shameful about, I would closet eat and, and have just binge eating. And I didn't realize that 
that for me was a manifestation of my blood sugar issues. And when these things went away, I stopped having to eat all the time. I could, the food noise really quieted. So I used to say I had a sugar dragon who used to call the shots a lot of times. And it would, one of the most curious symptoms I had was one time I was sent, you, you know, you and I get sent a lot of products and things to try. And most of my clients don't hear about a lot of them because they're not aligned or they don't work. So this one company sent me this cereal and I loved cereal growing up as a breakfast person. You know, I really Same. loved cereal. And so I wanted to try it because it was gluten-free, glyphosate-free, grain-free, organic, all the things free, refined sugar-free. So I try this cereal and I had the biggest blood sugar spike I had ever had. I ate it after a full meal too. And I ate the serving size, two things I never would have done in the past. Wow. And it spiked me to about 180. Wow. And at the peak of that spike, I was laying in my bed exhausted. So fatigue is another thing that I failed to mention that you can get a lot of fatigue. I was laying in bed, my eyes were closed. And all of a sudden this voice comes in my head like, go get more cereal. Mm. Do we have ice cream? Maybe you should go buy chocolate. I was like, that was not coming from me. I was like, that's the sugar dragon. He woke up at the peak of the spike. And what I noticed is that at the peak of my blood sugar spikes, when it gets really high, I start craving carbs. Mm. I don't know why it's at the top. Maybe it has something to do with like the insulin release that's happening in the background that hasn't manifested on the CGM yet. I don't have any theories. Maybe you do, but that's another symptom that I get. So when my blood sugar is high, I'll start to crave more food so that I see it happen in people where they may have, you know, chips and then go back for a second serving, or they may have ice cream and be like, oh, let me just get one more bowl. It's like the blood sugar spiking, and then it's triggering us to have more and more. So back to your question, our blood sugar is driving so many of our behaviors because it's how we regulate our energy. And so the other piece of this is that if we're spiking our blood sugar all the time, we're having these blood sugar lows, the lows are really stressful for our body. The spikes are very inflammatory and it's not to scare anybody because we have so much control over this, right? So that's the cool part, yeah. but we get the spikes, we get the crashes and the body is like Goldilocks. It doesn't like our blood sugar too high. It doesn't like it too low. It likes it just right. So when we go out of that happy range or if there's a change that's just too fast for our body to feel comfortable with, it's trying to counteract what we just did. So it'll send us a bunch of stress hormones or send too much insulin. And it's that it just doesn't feel good. So we may, there might be a ton of other symptoms other people have that I didn't even mention. Pain is one of them. I've had a lot of clients who come in, they're like pain all over the place. And we stop them from spiking their blood sugar, do some other things and pain is 90% gone. Mm. I mean, unbelievable because of that inflammation component, right? Yeah. So inflammation can manifest in all sorts of ways. So it's just, you get your own variety of that. And then that sets us up, unfortunately, for poor long-term health because we are driving the inflammation and because our blood sugar affects every cell organ and process in our body. So it's going to affect our brain, our eyes. It can affect our teeth and our stomach and our pancreas and our liver and our gut and our fertility. And just, I mean, you could just go down the mm -hmm. body and start pointing to all these things that our blood sugar starts impacting. And unfortunately, our doctors really only start to care once that blood sugar number gets up to a certain point and when they can give a medication yeah. because they just don't have the tools 
before it gets to like a full-blown type 2 diabetes or maybe a pre-diabetes, you may get metformin, but they just don't have the tools for that. That's not how they're trained. So they're not looking for these early signs of these blood sugar spikes or like, oh, my blood sugar is a little bit, you know, spiking too high, going too low. And these are often things we also try to medicate our way out of, right? So it may be, oh, you know, I always get an afternoon headache. I just take ibuprofen or I feel a crash of energy in the mid morning. So I just always bring a snack and I have an apple and that seems to help. Or I can't fall asleep at night. So I just take melatonin or CBD and I can't wake up in the morning. So I just have extra coffee. So all of those things that I just said are symptoms of potential symptoms of blood sugar issues and how many of us are like medicating our way out of it with food or, you know, caffeine or other type things. So there's so much we can do to control that. And it's, it's something super important to pay attention to. So important. Yeah. We're going to dive deep into what we can do, the solutions, but let's stay on the problem here. The sugar dragon. I like that, Danny. Yeah. I've been there myself, right? That sugar dragon, the more I eat sugar and carbs, the more that sugar dragon tells me to go eat more. I think we all experience that. And I think there's a multitude of, you know, reasons why that happens. That dopamine response, you want more of that dopamine hit, number one. Number two, um, you're not activating the same hormones and chemicals from carbs, especially processed carbs as you do with protein and fat. You're going to talk more about that. And it just tastes so damn good, right? It just tastes so good yeah. to eat sugar. And the body has mechanisms in place to deal with sugar. You know, the body uh, is, was con what the body considers an optimal state of glucose in a fasted state, somewhere between like 80 milligrams per deciliters, let's say, on average, right? Which is one teaspoon of sugar in the entire bloodstream. And to your point, people could be going to their annual report for their doctor, getting their annual physical. They might be testing a fasting glucose and an A1C, but this could be a problem that could occur for up to 14 years before that fasting glucose is over 126 or that A1C is over 5.7 for that doctor to trigger it. And if they do trigger it, what do they tell you to do? Like you just said, yeah, here's some medication here's, or, yeah, yeah, or, this, or the diet advice. Eat less, and, yeah. and, move eat less more. and move more, et cetera. So for those who are dealing with a lot of symptoms, it could be the fact that you have an overproduction of insulin, you're hyperglycemic, or we'll talk about hypoglycemia. And for somebody who's listening to this and they want to do fasting, what are the problems that can occur, which I'm sure those listening and watching have tried fasting, they feel awful. This might be why. So what's happening when you're not metabolically flexible, you're having these issues that you just spoke about and you try to fast? Yeah, so I see this a lot with my clients who tend towards hypoglycemia, which is where I was when I was having a lot of blood sugar and insulin issues. So many people, we have some feedback systems in our body to kind of keep our blood sugar stabilized. And one of those is that our liver will give us some stored sugar called glycogen to sort of bump our blood sugar back up if it's kind of going low. And we also have the ability to burn fat. That's the metabolic flexibility that Ben teaches and I, I do as well. And so we want to have that natural ability to burn body fat because overnight, our body sort of depends on this fat burning to keep us stabilized because we're not eating overnight. So those are just two areas that we should have the ability to raise our blood sugar by either getting some sugar easily from the liver or using body fat to fuel us. And oftentimes people have these high insulin levels because insulin stays elevated longer than blood sugar does. Mm -hmm. So insulin will be in the blood and it, it 
it doesn't really come down all the way. And then we're snacking and then we're eating another meal. So the insulin levels just build up over time and they can kind of go undetected for so long. So like you said, our blood sugar might not change for a long time, but all of a sudden what's happening in the background is we need two, three, four, five times as much insulin to do the job that a healthy person's insulin should be doing. So we get these buildup of insulin in the blood. And what happens is that blocks the body from putting that stored sugar from the liver into the system because your body's like, well, there's insulin here. And insulin's message is like, we need to be storing fat. We need to be building body fat right now. So if you get that strong message in your body because your insulin levels are high, you can't be, according to Dr. Fung, in a fat storage mode at the same time you're in a fat burning mode. So you can't burn the fat. You can't get the liver glycogen. And so the blood sugar is dipping down because let's say you ate your last meal at let's do a a morning fasting situation. So let's say you ate your last meal at 8 p.m. And now your blood sugar is dipping all night and then you wake up and you're going throughout your day and you're not eating anything. So your blood sugar is getting used as energy. So it's going down. And that's where the liver maybe needs to give you a little glycogen to put you back Mm -hmm. up or the fat burning needs to come in. But those options are not available to you. So that's when you start to get symptoms of hypoglycemia. So you'd get the shakiness, dizziness, irritability, anxiety, all sorts of things, or you just feel terrible when you say, I need to eat. Mm-hmm. And so that is where we would want to, we have to do a lot of things and look at why can't your body adapt to the, you know, to burning fat. And a lot of times it's those insulin levels. It's not the only cause, but we have to get those insulin levels down oftentimes, and that can help the process. Grindley, you explained that perfectly. You know, I like Megan Ramos's analogy about what's happening with the with the insulin when you're constantly eating food and snacking. I mean, we know carbs will spike glucose and insulin. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's uh, processed carbs that will spike it more than whole food source carbs, but they will all spike glucose and insulin. Go ahead. And the foods that spike insulin the most are added sugars, starches, and dairy. Mm. And I, that comes from Dr. Allie Chapel. She's a new person who, who I'm talking to, and she's an insulin researcher. And so I think that those three, keeping those three in your mind are really helpful. Added sugars, starches, and, and dairy. dairy. And that goes for whey protein, isn't it? Yeah, isn't whey it? protein will spike insulin insulin a lot. Very insulinogenic. Yeah. That's why if you're going to do whey protein, you want to get it, if you're going to do it from a manufacturer that pairs it with other sources with right, like Dr. Ben Bickman does a good job with his health code. Yeah. They pair it with egg yolk and different things. And I, it doesn't give you that same response, but if you just straight up whey protein, yeah. very insulinogenic yeah. to your point. But going back to what you were talking about, um, one of my colleagues, Dr. Don Klum is his name. He's a chiropractor, brilliant guy. He was working with these corporations. They would bring him in. He would teach them how to do keto and fasting, et cetera, although they didn't call it that because corporate name it something else. But he did this patient population survey with hundreds of these patients that were uh, corporate workers. And all the they had him do, and this was a survey, so take it for what it's worth. But all he had him do was write down in a notebook every time they ate something. So it could be their full breakfast, whether it was cereal or eggs, or if it was healthy or not. It could be a handful of almonds, a sip of kombucha that was categorized as a meal. Anytime they put something in their mouth and it spiked glucose and insulin was categorized as a meal. And the average person in this study was eating 17 to 23 times per day, like pretty much every waking hour, Danny. I'm sure you've seen this with students you start to work with. So back and to, that was me. And that was you. Yeah, yeah me too, sure. by the way. Yeah. yeah. 
And this is constantly bombarding your body with a stimulus. You know, you, you spoke about what it does to overwhelm your, your beta cells and your pancreas, and it's overshooting the insulin. That insulin stays above what the glucose does. But also, just the energy demand to digest those snacks and foods, et cetera, takes a lot of energy, right? So Megan Ramos talks about, like, it's, it's annoying. You're, it's like trying to get work done, and you want to stay focused and productive here in your office. And every two hours, somebody's banging on your, your door and interrupting you and interrupting your productivity. This is kind of what insulin is doing when it's chronically elevated from snacking. So what are some of your favorite tools for somebody who's not really doing keto yet? They're not fat adapted. They're not really metabolic flexibility. What are the starting steps for them to really start to optimize their blood sugar and insulin levels? Yeah, great question. So the first thing I say is I've, I've sort of changed my stance on this over time. And this seems to be like if you take away one thing from this podcast, this is what I would recommend is really eating all your protein first because our body has that threshold for protein that it needs to hit because it's how we rebuild everything with the amino acids from the protein. So your body is always looking for a certain amount of proteins all the time. And if we eat the protein first, then once we hit that protein threshold, we will literally not be able to eat another bite of steak unless you're Joey from Friends getting the meat sweats. Uh, <laughs> but, but so we'll eat this protein and then you'll notice like, oh, I can't finish my steak. But you look around the plate and you're like, well, I can definitely have a couple of bites of this broccoli and maybe some of this sweet potato. There's space for other things, but we naturally eat to satiety with protein. True. And what that does is, first off, it does help to stabilize the blood sugar a bit, but it also helps us to feel full and not take up space with other things. So we were out to dinner, you and I and some friends were out to dinner the other night and they served us vegetables as appetizers. Mm -hmm. And so I was eating Brussels sprouts great food. And I was eating the Brussels sprouts and they were really good. So I ate kind of a, a bit of them. And then I got salmon and I was halfway through my salmon and I was like, no, I'm full. And so I had wasted too much real estate in my stomach on the Brussels sprouts, which are not quite as important as the protein, I would argue. And I think I you would too. Yeah. So the protein is being that it's the most important thing. If you fill up on it, make sure you, you will have that automatic set point, then you'll get the protein in and protein is the most satiating macronutrient. It stabilizes our blood sugar. And then we also sometimes are like, I don't even need this sweet potato. It naturally regulates the appetite. We can go longer between meals and then we are less snacky. So I less have a, snacky. That's yeah. a very scientific term right yes, there. <laughs> very official. But we all know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I have a client who's like, I cannot believe how much this just changed my life. My husband's like, why aren't you snacking? Like, why, why am I the only one eating, you know, eating ice cream right now? She's like, I don't even want it. I don't even know what's happening to me because it just every night I always need a snack. And it's like, if you can fill up on protein, especially animal protein, which yeah. is the most bioavailable Very important best for point your right blood there, sugar, yeah. because it is just such a great way to start out. And then we can add some healthy fats to that and fiber. And these things are also going to help keep our blood sugar a little more stable, help our microbiome. But the healthy fats is what I think a lot of people miss. So they'll say, okay, Danny, I'm doing the protein and I've lowered my carbs because I want to help my blood sugar. But what they'll eat is something like I had a chicken breast and 
some broccoli and it was local and organic and all the things. And they're like, I, you know, I did a tiny bit of butter maybe on the broccoli. But in that meal, bro- the broccoli is mostly fiber and the chicken is mostly protein, but there's no energy source in that meal. There's no carbs or there's no fat, which are the two energy sources. So when people go lower carb, they have great intentions, but they're eating just protein and fiber and that's not going to fuel you properly. So that meal would leave you hungry very soon after. Like I could just picture that that I, looking at that would make me feel hungry, yeah. <laughs> right? It seems pretty sad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's it's you know, carbs and fats are both delicious, right? Mm -hmm. So if we can load up on healthy fats in that meal, so maybe do a chicken thigh with the skin on, maybe do some, you know, a good amount of butter on the broccoli. Or olive oil or whatever Yeah, olive oil, whatever. Yeah, so like use those things liberally. And I think there's so many, especially women who have this leftover dogma from the 80s and 90s, which I lived through. The low fat dogma. Low fat dogma. And it's like, we're so afraid to put fat on our plate. And it's like, as we pull down carbs, we inversely need to increase those fats. And that's going to give us that energy. Cause there's so many people who say like, Oh, I tried to do that. And I just can't, like, I just need sugar. It's like, you need energy. Mm-hmm. You don't need the sugar necessarily in that form. I'm not saying like, you know, don't eat any carbohydrates. That's not the message. <laughs> there's nuance in this, but if we just raise those fats, it's more helpful. So those would be some food recommendations I have for that. Hey, when was the last time you bit into a juicy burger or a perfectly cooked steak and thought to yourself, this is the best thing I've ever tasted? If it's been a while, it's probably because most meat products are conventionally raised, which not only affects the flavor profile, but significantly diminishes the beneficial nutrients and minerals. And believe it or not, even products that are labeled as grass-fed or ethically raised to make you think they're high quality, are often finished on grain or in factory farms, which is why I am so excited to share something with you today that will not only help you avoid the hormones, antibiotics, and pesticide residues that diminish the taste of conventionally raised meat, but could also save you nearly $1,000 over the next year on your grocery bill. And the best part, this may be the best tasting thing you've had in a long time. So what the heck am I talking about? I'm talking about Wild Pastures Meat Delivery. They provide the highest quality meats from small, regenerative, family-run farms here in the United States that prioritize sustainability and animal welfare. Their beef is 100% grass-fed. Their pork and poultry are pasture-raised, something you won't find anywhere in the grocery store, resulting in meats that are not only healthier for you, but also better for the environment. One of the reasons why me and my fiance Natasha loves wild pastures is that we can opt out out of supporting harmful conventional farming practices and instead support small family-run farms without spending a fortune. And the convenience doesn't stop there. They offer delivery straight to your door so you can enjoy delicious, high-quality meats without even leaving your house. No matter where you are in the lower 48 states, Wild Pastures has got you covered. Not only is this the most convenient way to get your meat products, but Wild Pasture meats are better for you nutritionally and they're higher in the total nutrients, phytonutrients, antioxidants, key fatty acids, vitamins, minerals, proteins, and amino acids. And today, for keto campers, for a limited time, 
you can get 20% off every box plus free shipping for life and $15 off your first box. This is a crazy deal and I hope you take advantage of it. So make the switch to Wild Pastures today and save nearly $1,000 on your grocery bill while feeling healthier and enjoying the best tasting meats of your life. All you need to do is go to the link in the podcast notes down below. Everything is already applied. All you got to do is click that link, customize your order, and you'll have some delicious, healthy tasting meats very soon. Head to the podcast notes down below, click the link, enjoy your wild pastures. Okay, let's get right back to this episode. I remember my first book, Perfect Health Booklet. I released it in 2018. I actually took it off of Amazon because a lot of the stuff I put in there, I don't teach anymore. Like I've unlearned and relearned. But one of the things I did put in there that I still agree to is that the PFF formula, as I I call it, for breakfast especially, but any day, like protein, fat, and fiber to start your meal with. You just said that. I noticed that works really well for me and my students. And that's something that I still stand by to this day. At that restaurant we went to, I remember you saying that, oh, I didn't follow what I teach. I had, yeah. I had the, the vegetables before the protein mm-hmm. and I, I had my carnivore meal, right? Yeah. So, you know, I customized. <laughs> that my, was a funny meal. That was. <laughs> he ordered like multiple sides of salmon, multiple sides of chicken, yeah. two burgers with eggs and like took all the salad off. He's like, I'm doing this carnivore experiment. <laughs> By the way, he is 100% <laughs> like dialed into this carnivore experiment. And Thank you, Danny. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she could testify. Yes. I'm on day I'm on day 72 right now. Yeah. So three days ago, we were at the dinner and the waitress was like, you don't want this side or that? Like, nope. But yeah, you know, when you start with protein and fat, it, it tastes good too. And it's satiating. And back to the insulin part, carbs spike insulin, processed or unprocessed. As you mentioned, there's a specific one, Siggy, there's specific ones that spike it more. Protein also spikes insulin. However, it's a very different response, more of like a little squirt versus a a, a big response. It's called more of a phase two response with Mm -hmm. insulin. And then fat, Danny, does fat spike insulin? Not at all. Not touch it doesn't touch the dial, right? Zero, right? So it makes sense if you have insulin resistance or insulin problems, you might want to have more protein and fat versus carbs. And what you just said about if you're going into a low carb diet from a standard American diet or even a very low carb diet like a keto diet. As you lower those carbs, it's equally as important to up those healthy fats because as you drop, as you mentioned, one energy source and your body is not familiar with burning fat yet and using the glycogen stores, you want to introduce another very powerful energy source, which is dietary fat. So you eat quality fats and I talk about this in the book and it makes that that little swap very easy to do. Anything you want to add there before we move on to some specifics here? Yeah, I do want to add some nuance. So a lot of people are learning, you know, eat your protein, fat, and fiber first, and that will lower the blood sugar response. And that is true, but we also, there's another side to this, and it's insulin. And so if we eat a meal that has protein, fat, and fiber, and then let's say we have a whole sweet potato, which is a whole food, it's, you know, let's say we have it in season, like right now in the fall, that's great. However, when we have the protein, especially the fats with that the carb, it's still raising insulin a lot. And the presence of the fat with the carb, Mm -hmm. it will raise insulin even more. And that's how it lowers the blood sugar response. And then it also delays the clearing of the insulin. 
So having a lot of carbs and fat in the same meal, it's not recommended. So yes, there is validity to this and it is a powerful tool, but it's if you are in a healing phase, which I like to differentiate from someone who's really metabolically healthy, you know, an athlete and always moving and all the things, that's only about 7% of our population. Correct. So if you're listening to this, maybe you're already there, you're listening for optimization purposes, that's great. And maybe you can do that. But most of us are in a healing phase. You know, you just gave this uh, statistic in your presentation this weekend that nearly 93% of adults are metabolically unhealthy. So while it can be a good first step to be like, let me just eat these things first on my plate and save my carbs for last, there's also value in reducing the amount of carbs. And sometimes it's confronting to people because they're like, well, I heard that you can just have, you know, protein and fat first and then have a carb and, you know, you don't get a spike. It's not you don't get a spike. That's not what it is. It's that it can mitigate it by giving you more insulin. So we do want to think about customizing the amount of carbs that we need. So using a continuous glucose monitor and, you know, a little device, mine just ran out today. I was wondering where it is. I, I, saw, I saw it a couple of days ago. Yeah, mine just <laughs> ran out today. But, you know, putting a continuous glucose monitor on, and this is where we have to get personal. We have to stop with the generalizations and figure out what works for us because there's so many things that impact our blood sugar response to meals. Yeah. So if I had a good sleep or not, if I worked out really hard and depleted all the glycogen, the stored sugar in my liver and my muscles, I would have a way better blood sugar response because 80% of the carbs from that meal will go right to my muscles. So then you don't really see it on the blood sugar on the meter. If you are where your hormones are at, are you lower in estrogen because you're perimenopausal or because you're the week before your menstrual cycle, guess what? You're gonna have a worse insulin and blood sugar response to these things. And so there's a lot of different factors, our stress levels, our, you know, adrenal level, like all sorts of things, our minerals. There's so many factors that impact our blood sugar. So it's great to give these starting points. But then I think that what's missing oftentimes is that granularity. And I know you try to bring that. And I love like I love that about your content. And that's what I try to bring as well. And I think we need some personalization and to just like put on the white coat, like the white lab coat and go inside. You know, Mm -hmm. like what's going on with me? What does my blood sugar do? What are my blood sugar symptoms? Because my symptoms are going to be vastly different from the next person's. So you may have had a couple of crossover, but you might be like, oh, I also had X, Y, Z. So that's where like it's really important to get to know ourselves in a big way and then to see, well, does my blood sugar still spike significantly? If I have a sweet potato, I will tell you mine certainly does. (laughs) And especially the time of day I'm eating it, which I know we'll get into more as well. So yeah, so lowering the carbs at meals can be really helpful if you're in a healing phase, especially those three that spike insulin, the added sugars, the starches and dairy, which is not always considered a carb. It depends on the type of dairy. Usually it's pretty balanced with carbs. Most often it's like a, a fat or even a protein, but that's where like lean into the nuance. Does dairy work for me or is it something let what I tell my students to do is 
everyone just do a trial of 30 days with no dairy. See what happens. Dairy is something used to promote growth. That's why it increases insulin because insulin it will create growth in the body. It makes babies gain fat, right? Yeah. It makes them grow. So some people tolerate it beautifully. It's in their ancestry. They digest it well. For a lot of us, unfortunately me, makes me gain weight and mm -hmm. it gives me acne and sometimes it messes with my digestion. So it's, you know, sometimes I can get away with it, but most of the time I don't have it on the regular because it just doesn't work for me. So that's where we get that individual nuance. So I don't necessarily always take pictures of my meals and post them because I don't want people copying me because yeah. where I'm at, I'm in a maintenance phase. You know, I did the healing phase and luckily I can stay at this amazing maintenance phase where I get more flexibility. And so that idea of like copying someone or I just heard this one thing and I'm going to do this one thing. Our brains as humans, we're trying to simplify and make sense of stuff. So it's normal that we would do that. No one's wrong or stupid for doing this. It's very complex. That's why I had to go back to school to learn how to heal myself. Right. But now we can say what's working for me. I think that that's sort of lost in this age of looking at Instagram and listening to podcasts. It's great that people are doing that, but it's like, what works for me? Just because some influencer says, you know, have an adrenal cocktail, which is a whole <laughs> other story, like have this adrenal cocktail because it's going to be good for your adrenals. Well, is it good for your whole body? Like is, does does it work for you? Yeah, so. fair point. Very, very important. We're all different. We all have different responses. And you mentioned the looking at your glucose, fasted, postprandial. I want to talk more about that. But just one more thing on the point of mm -hmm. sugar or carbohydrates and fat at the same meal. Mm -hmm. You mentioned it's not a good idea. It's going to cause a big insulin spike. And, and the body's going to prioritize via the Randall cycle. We were talking about this the other day. Yeah. The body's going to prioritize via the Randall cycle processing that sugar and getting that sugar out of the bloodstream because that's considered a toxic state. So that overproduction of insulin will happen. But what's happening with the fat? The fat's not getting processed. It's pulling up into the bloodstream. It's creating LPS. It's creating inflammation. So we don't want to have high carbs and high fat at the same time. For those who do keto flexing, which is a high carb day, it's also a low fat day. And I made that intentionally clear in the book. So for those who are going to do a higher carb meal and you're metabolically healthy and you want to do that, great. But it's a low fat meal at the same time. You could have the protein with the carbs, but you don't want to have high fat with that carbs. Yeah. CGMs and uh, a lot of my listeners and the keto campers, they also have keto mojos too. Yeah. So we'll talk about both as it relates to testing blood glucose levels. Yeah. I think the most important thing to do is to hire a coach and enroll into a program. You have a program that you're going to offer a free course to our students in a second, but we could also look at these markers and gauge if that meal, if that stressful event, if that whatever we're looking at helped me or hurt me. So why do you love looking at blood glucose? What are some customization, some general trends the audience can look at when they're testing blood glucose? Yeah, I love my CGM because it tells me so much about what's going on inside. So it'll tell me, did this thing spike my blood sugar? And did that cause symptoms? A lot of people have blood sugar spikes and don't feel them, True. which honestly is like, do we want that? Because then it's sort of going on invisibly under the surface and we have no idea. And so it's like, I don't think I have blood sugar problems. I have a student currently in my program and she's like, I don't feel anything when my blood sugar spikes mm. and she's got arthritis. She can't close mm. her hand. And I'm like, take a picture of that hand because that's going to go away at, or like really improve by the end of this eight weeks because we're going to get down that inflammation from these spikes. This is 
is my, you know, this is my theory. And I think you would probably agree that this would be super it's helpful. It's got to improve. Yeah. It's got to improve. So the CGM can let us know how much my blood sugar spiked. Was that a good amount for me? Did it drive symptoms? We can see what's happening overnight. We can see the effect of exercise. We can see the impact of stress. We can see what happens when we don't have a good night's sleep. Mm -hmm. We can see if I eat the exact same meal for breakfast and I eat that meal late at night before bed, do I have a different response to that? So we're going to have different responses at these times. So then we could start to find what I found personally is, oh my goodness, if I eat carbs at night, basically after 5.30, my blood sugar is elevated and stays elevated for so long. It almost feels like my insulin is like, I'm going to bed. It <laughs> clocked out. Like my insulin has clocked out in the evening time. So what a, what do I do with that information? I can eat dinner earlier, which is better for me, for my blood sugar, for my sleep, for my hormones. And I just don't eat carbs, like a heavy carb source at my dinner. So I'll just do, let's say, to go back to my example, like the broccoli instead of the sweet potato. Mm -hmm. So if I do that, it helps my blood sugar stay stable, helps me have a nice, good night of sleep. So I can use this to start optimizing and tinkering with what works for me. And then I can see what can I get away with? That's also something fun to notice too, right? Because we want to find this enjoyment of, at least I do, I want to feel really good. And sometimes I want to enjoy ice mm -hmm. cream because that's my favorite food. So it's like, how do I fit all these things in together? Ice cream didn't fit in my healing plan, but now it can sometimes fit occasionally in my maintenance plan. So you know, I can do things like go for a walk after the meal. And yep. if I eat a bowl of ice cream, I might need to have a pretty long walk or do like a pretty big exercise. I can see like, oh, if I do a hard workout and deplete all my muscle glycogen, wow, I can have a, you know, whole sweet potato at the meal, flatline blood sugar. So you can start to learn how to sort of milk the system, I guess. And this is what's helping us to stay feeling good. And then we could start to identify those mysterious symptoms like that 3 p.m. headache that we always get or like, oh my goodness, when my blood sugar spikes, I get, you know, uh, like my, my fingers can't close or whatever the symptom is. So we start to learn really big what's going on with us. So what I might want to see on a blood sugar, some general, on a CGM, some general rules of thumb would be, we don't want to see our blood sugar spike more than about 30 points at a meal. And if you're outside of the U.S., just divide all these numbers, I'm saying by 18 mm -hmm. to get the millimoles. So I believe that's 1.8 millimoles. I don't know all of them. Yeah, just divide by 18. Just divide by 18. <laughs> so I'm going to speak in milligrams per deciliter. So we don't really want to spike over 30 points at a meal. But again, that's a general rule. So if I'm someone who has metabolic syndrome, insulin resistance, type 2 diabetes, maybe I want to stay even under that, you know, or if I'm trying to heal or if I'm trying to be on a ketogenic diet, there's no exact amount of blood sugar that's correlated to a certain thing because it has to do with the insulin. But we we want to try to stay under that. We also don't really want our blood sugar going above 140 because that mm -hmm. tends to be more of an inflammatory state for the body. But if I were to be spiking to 140 all the time, that wouldn't feel good in my body. So I learned where I feel best is about I set my top range on my CGM, meaning like the green range that I don't want to go above at about 110. Mm -hmm. If I'm doing more carb ups, like a flexing, I might set it to 120 ish mm -hmm. and that might feel good for me. So, and then 
the, the low line, this is where a lot of nuance comes in. So I would say, oh, yeah, we don't necessarily really want to go under 70 too much. But if you are metabolically flexible, if you're in ketosis, yeah, you, you feel will. T- totally fine and there. You feel great, yeah, yeah, you're like, oh, my blood sugar is 60, 65, yeah. rocking it. You might feel great. Um, then there's people who will feel symptomatic. They, they might feel symptomatic below 70 or below 60 or 50. But then there's those people who feel symptomatic even above that. Mm. And so that's where it's like, well, should I set my bottom of my green range to be 70 if I feel like I'm going to need to call an ambulance when it gets down to 90? No. So I tell people, what's your basement? And so that's that number where if I go below this number, I will feel terrible. Mm -hmm. So I have them set it about five above that number. So let's say my basement is 90. If I start to feel terrible there, I may set my lower green range for 95. And what you want to do is really try, I say step one is stabilize. Because if your blood sugar, if there's two people and the first person's blood sugar is going up and down and up and down, really high glycemic variability, we call it, versus the second person whose blood sugar is just kind of sitting higher, but really stable, that second person with the highest but stable blood sugar is going to have better health outcomes in the future than the person, even though they're going low sometimes and may have a better A1C because it's that average Mm -hmm. of the highs and lows, that person will have worse outcomes. And so the idea is to take a break from, you know, constantly producing insulin to make sure your blood sugar is not crashing and your adrenals are having to come in and pump you with stress hormones by keeping our blood sugar stable, that's like giving the body a vacation. So even if it's a little higher, that's okay. And oftentimes what I see is that that person who's spiking and crashing a lot, once they stabilize, their blood sugar line is much higher. Mm. So we can start to see the insulin resistance showing up in that way. But stabilizing is the first step because we want to give that our bodies a break from those highs and lows, which are very stressful. And so, yeah, we want to do that. And then we will start to see that we can start tolerating going a little bit lower. So all of a sudden, that same person, that same experience of the basement being 90, they're like, my blood sugar was 85 and I felt fine today. So that's that all of a sudden what's happening is the body's set point is sort of re-regulating. So I sort of give an example of what's happening in that case, sort of like, let's say I'm in this room totally normal temperature. And then I go take a 15 minute, really hot shower. If I came back into this room, I'd be like, Ooh, I need a jacket. Let's turn up the heat because my set point has changed. I've gotten used to that high level of temperature or high level of blood sugar. So now if I'm coming down, even though it's a normal range, my body's like, Ooh, we don't like it here. And so this is the, that hypoglycemia. And often if someone has progressed insulin resistance, usually maybe they're pre-diabetic, maybe even not, or diabetic, they can get these false lows. And this is where a lot of gaslighting comes in from doctors, where they start to say, it's like, oh, I, I feel terrible and I, I'm shaky and I'm anxious. And the blood, the doctor will test the blood sugar and it's like 100. And they're like, well, it's not your blood sugar mm. because your blood sugar is fine. And I see this all the time. I had someone come to me and she's like, I've been hypoglycemic since high school. Now I'm retired. So we can understand how many decades have passed. And so we put a CGM on her. We expected her blood sugar. I expected it to be dropping to like 50s and 60s. Her highs were 300. Her lows 
were 160. Damn, her, her basement was her 160. Her basement was 160. Oh. So wow. we stabilized and got her out of the diabetic and pre-diabetic range in eight weeks. So it's wow. so amazing. So decades of damage, decades, eight weeks yeah. to stabilize. Yeah. That's amazing. And so it's just unbelievable how, and with her, I think I may have said this example to you when we were chatting at some point, but with her, the hard thing was, is that the general advice is like, you know, go low carb, start fasting, don't snack. All of these things, I'm sure you'd say them all the time. I say them all the time. And though, that's for everybody. Yeah, that's traditionally helpful for people with blood sugar issues. But when you have these lows or the perceived lows or the false lows, whatever you want to call them, it's not as easy to do that because at 160, this person's body was saying, I am about out of energy and you need to eat ASAP. And so it would it would feel really bad in her body. So she was having trouble cutting out the snacks. And like, so she would have to snack. And so I couldn't tell her to fast. I couldn't tell her to not snack. And so what we had to do was stabilize her, add lots of healthy fats to the meals. And then all of a sudden she could go a little bit longer without eating. And we also had to support her adrenal glands mm -hmm. with a lot of minerals, which is a big thing that I see. So if your blood sugar is dropping, you need minerals um, because they're just so, the adrenals are so depleted from having to pump you with cortisol and stress hormones to create new blood sugar to get it back up because the liver glycogen wasn't working, that you can't tap into body fat. It's the adrenals that get stuck with all the, the burden of the keeping your blood sugar normal and making sure you don't pass out or die. Right. So the adrenals get super depleted. You may find on a test you have low cortisol, but they need minerals, not with orange juice with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and so <laughs> lots of salt, lots of potassium, lots of you know trace minerals, quinton minerals, beam minerals, like all these things. We want to give the adrenals the the raw materials and the support they need to do their job. So that will help you go longer between meals. And then she was finally able to say, my hunger cues feel really different now because it wasn't that emergency feeling. It was like, oh, I could eat. So when that nighttime snack time came around, we were at one point like, I'm like, do you feel safe? to cut it out. And she's like, yeah, I do feel safe. I feel like I can trust my body. It's not going to, my blood sugar is not going to drop anymore. And so then it was just her, all her cells were like, it's, it's snack time. You know, it was like, everybody was ready forks and knives, like it's <laughs> snack time. And so we just had to retrain her body. Like, Oh, kitchen's closed right now. Mm -hmm. And so she had to push through the feeling of like, Oh, I just feel a little bit hungry, but it was a different feeling. The hunger turned into this healthy hunger as opposed to this urgent hunger that comes from a blood sugar crash. So I went all over, but I hope you know, it's, so, it's, it's a perfect illustration of how Number one, how important it is to work with the coach who understands this, but there's so many nuances here. I mean, her basement was 160. Like yeah. that is very high as your lower limit to feel awful. If you watch any of my videos on social media, you always see me with glasses on. And I always get the question, hey, why are you wearing those glasses? These are called blue light blocking glasses. And I wear them to protect my brain and my focus. You see, we are bombarded with stimulation, especially with junk light from your computer screen, your phone, fluorescent lights, and the brain has to filter that out. These glasses, what they do is they filter out those lights for you so your brain does not have to do the work. I equate this to having a web browser open with 100 tabs 
If you had 100 tabs open on your computer, that computer is going to run slow. But if you were able to eliminate 99 of those 100 tabs and now you just have one tab open, that computer will function better. This is the same thing with your brain. So there's different types of blue light blocking glasses. There are computer glasses that you would wear during the day when working with screens and under artificial light. There are light sensitivity glasses that you would also wear during the day with screens and artificial light. And then you have the blue light blocking glasses, which I wear at night, two to three hours before I go to bed, which promotes hormone health, helps your body produce melatonin, and aids in better sleep. My go-to is from Bon Charge. They have the science to back it up. They look super cool. The glasses come in non-prescription, prescription, and reading options. Glasses for every need. Bon Charge also has other amazing products such as low blue light bulbs, red light therapy devices, EMF slash 5G protection, and 100% blackout sleep mask that I take with me when I travel all the time. The greatest thing about them, all backed up by science. They gave Keto Camp Podcast listeners a 15% off coupon code. All you need to do is head over to bondcharge.com slash ketocamp and use the coupon code ketocamp at checkout, no space in between, to get 15% off your entire order. We'll drop that link down below along with the coupon code. Go check them out and let's get back to this episode. I know that you're a big fan of things like L-carnitine for situations like this. Uh, explain a little bit more why you like L-carnitine, but also I want to know if you use exogenous ketones as well to stabilize these issues. Yeah, so L-carnitine helps the body just burn fat for fuel a little better. So it can, for a lot of people with hypoglycemia and especially reactive hypoglycemia, this can be really supportive. Of course, it doesn't work for everybody because it's not everybody's root cause. Yeah. But for a lot of people, it does help them go longer between meals. Cause I have a lot of people who come to me saying like, Danny, I have to eat every 90 minutes and I'm tired of it. Like, I don't want to eat. I'm eating and I'm not hungry, but my body just can't go on mm -hmm. without the food. So they're stuck in this cycle. And that's what leads to this you know, 300 peak 160 basement type of blood sugar. It's that the mainstream recommendation is to, if you have hypoglycemia or reactive hypoglycemia, they will tell you eat complex carbs and protein every two hours. And what do we know is that that will worsen the root cause of the disease. If you're not a type one diabetic, but if you find yourself treating any sort of blood sugar issue with sugar, you have to stop and take a hard look and say, I need someone to help me figure this out because I will tell you right now, that's not the way. That's what and Dr. I, Fung says is like giving an alcoholic al alcohol. Yeah. It's like if someone's coming down from alcohol and they, they of course need to have some, just give to, them a little yeah, bit you of just give them yeah. a little bit. So, Oh, that'll take away the symptoms. Yeah, it's the exact same thing. And so it's, we're not shaming anyone who's doing that. You're just trying to feel like not feel like you're going to die. Yeah. So I get it. I get why you would do that and why it makes you feel better, but we can't use that as a prolonged treatment for this. So carnitine can be a really great tool for that. And what works best for my clients, especially for the night meal to carry them overnight is having foods that are highest in carnitine, which is red meat and red meat and pork. So I have clients who say, if I eat, you know, like a beautiful wild salmon at night, I will be up, blood sugar crash, need to eat in the middle of the night, no matter what. 
And then I have people who say the only thing I can eat at night is red meat. And so they'll have a ribeye at night, ground meat, whatever it is, and they can make it all night. So that is another great tool for anyone who's struggling with lows. It's just super, super helpful. And I believe it's because I think it's because of the fat content that's in it, because I've had people say I've had the salmon and I did just as many grams of fat with like avocados and whatever, and even accounted for gram for gram for fat. It's not Mm -hmm. the same as with the meat. So then I I'm led to believe that it's potentially the carnitine content. It makes sense. And you can always supplement with L-carnitine too. Yeah. It acts like a shuttle bus to deliver those fatty acids to the mitochondria energy production. They're struggling with energy. Makes sense. The ketones. Yeah, exogenous ketones. So uh, this is something that I am wanting to start doing more, but it has been helpful with a couple of people I've tried it with. It's a good tool to help someone go a little bit longer between meals. The only thing where it gets a little tricky with the population I, I work with often is that they're very sensitive to any change in blood sugar and the exogenous ketones can make your blood sugar, it does make your blood sugar dip a little bit. So if they can tolerate that small dip mm-hmm. because they do have this other fuel source, then they're then they're pretty good with it. And so it's something that I've been starting to use with people in the evening time to help them go longer like overnight without having these crashes. And that's one of the things that most people see with a CGM. They're like, oh my gosh, these overnight wakeups I'm having are because my blood sugar is crashing. And what happens when your blood sugar crashes in the middle of the night, you don't have the liver glycogen, you don't have the body fat. Cortisol. Norepinephrine, epinephrine, which is adrenaline. And so we get pumped with adrenaline. We wake up with a pounding heart thinking, I'm having an anxiety attack. Mm -hmm. And it's very normal to think because it feels just like that. But the anxiety is physical. It is real. It is not imagined. It's not in your head. You're not making it up. But it is because of the blood sugar drop. Some people also see drops on a CGM and they're like, I slept really well through this. And sometimes it's compression lows. So you're laying on the arm. That happens to me all the time. All the time. That's why I have to turn those alarms off at night because I'm like, I'm going to be okay. 42 glucose at 3 a.m. Now I pressed it with my arm. Yeah. (laughs) And so I'll look at my aura ring and sort of match up. I'm like, was this wake up because of my blood sugar or was I, you know, I was like in a deep sleep then Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I'm probably laying on it. Correct. So just keep that in mind. But yeah, the ketones can really be helpful in the evening, especially because a lot of these people are needing that bedtime snack to get them through, but eating right before bed, it will raise your cortisol, which opposes melatonin, which means you're not sleeping as well. And at night, we're supposed to be detoxing, not digesting. So if all our resources are shuttling towards digestion, which everything in our body works on a clock. And so our insulin doesn't work as well that time. Our digestive Mm -hmm. juices are not flowing like they are when we're up and about. Certain hormones work at certain times. So that's not the time to be eating. And it can really start to disrupt things. But some people need that training wheel. And I don't want to make anyone feel bad for where they're at. But just know that that's a training wheel. And we want to try to work you out of it, having that bedtime snack. And So what I'll tell people is if you can start with just trying protein and fat at night. So like a hard boiled egg and see if that could be okay. Or like an avocado and a paleo Valley beef stick or something like that. Something or like I like to use the term mini meal. I don't like the word snack because you think about snack 
What are we thinking about? Popcorn, cookies. Yeah. yeah. And then if we, or even healthy snacks is something packaged, is something mm-hmm. processed versus mini meal. I'm like, oh, I'll just grab a couple of bites of these leftovers in the fridge. So first step would be at night, try just protein and fat and see if that helps. No carb because we don't want to really start getting insulin involved. Yeah. <laughs> and then- let them, let them sleep at night. Yeah. And then if you can try to just go down to fat. So I'll say have some herbal tea and blend some butter or MCT oil, which yeah. is a good one because that could give some more ketones yeah, as well. Especially C8, yeah. Yeah, the C8 MCT, exactly. I'll have them blend that in some tea and just try that for the overnight. And then the other one is ketones. So those are some strategies to help with the overnight and going a little longer between meals. Great strategies. Yeah, I love that. And then you have a course that you're offering to the keto campers your sugar savvy program. Um, share a little bit about it and what are you offering the keto campers today? Yeah. So it's a program, it's a mini course, and I'm going to offer it to you guys for free today because I want everybody to be able to start reading these CGMs. So I talk about what numbers you should ask, what tests you should ask your doctor for A1C fasting insulin, which we don't often Very get. Very important and, test. Yeah. And what ranges I'm looking for, or like we look for in more of a holistic functional. functional practice versus the mainstream ranges, which leave way too much leeway. Mm-hmm. And then there's a mod. So that's the first module. The second module is all about CGMs, how to get a CGM, how to put them on, how to use them. Does it hurt? It doesn't hurt. It does uh, not. <laughs> yep. It surprisingly doesn't. <laughs> and then how to interpret the data, like general rules of thumb for what numbers we want to see on the CGM, how to set that green range, that Goldilocks range mm-hmm. I talk about, different caveats for different people. Uh, frequently asked questions like, why did my blood sugar just get worse? So some of these are, I just put on a new meter and it's just running a little bit high because these devices are imperfect. And sometimes it's, it's the week before my menstrual cycle or it's the week of my menstrual cycle. Some people have different responses. Um, if you take too much vitamin C, it'll show that you have really high blood sugar. So different things like that and how to start connecting the numbers and patterns of what you're seeing with your symptoms, which is the most important. And then I also talk about finger prick testing, which also has a lot of value. I always say get both if you can, if it's in your means, because sometimes these CGMs are off or they're trending high, trending low. And we can usually the the finger prick devices are a little bit more accurate. And we can also use those to test ketones. So we can talk about, we talk about the ranges for blood sugar, ketones, when you want to test. And yeah, so all those little nuances in so there. So important. Uh, everybody needs that and it's for free. So what's where do they go we'll to get it? Use the code. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a link. We yeah. can put it in the show notes. If so that we have works. a link in the show notes. The code is Keto Camp. Keto Camp. Gives yep. you free access to all that. Yeah. That's a pretty generous gift. Yeah. Or you can get it from my website, DanielleHamiltonHealth.com. And then you'll see the little link for Sugar Savvy and then just put in that code. So we'll put that down below the YouTube and the audio. Um, we'll share your social media with the audience. Danielle Hamilton Health. Nice and Danielle Hamilton Health, you're crushing it with your uh, your graphics and your carousels. and <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> uh, So follow her on Instagram. She also have a great YouTube channel, which you've been putting a lot of energy into. Yeah. A lot of new, con- new. a lot of new content, and it's your, your name on on YouTube, by the way, Danielle. It Hamilton. Is. Yeah, we'll yeah, put that. Same thing. And my podcast is Unlock the Sugar Shackles. Unlock the Sugar Shackles. I was we on there. We need to get you back yeah, on. Yeah, gotta get back on. <laughs> Unlock the Sugar Shackles. Go subscribe. You're going to be putting out a lot more content on the circadian piece to mm. what happens with your blood sugar. You touched upon it today yeah. a little bit. So stay follow her on, on Instagram, social media, YouTube. 
I have a final question for you. Okay. Vitamin G. <laughs> you know what it is because you saw me I lecture did. and you practice it. Yeah. So what do you have vitamin G for today, Danny? Well, I was thinking about this and I was going to say it at the top of the episode, but I was thinking on my way here that I connected with a lot of people this weekend. And I just think that you are such a, just a stand up guy and you're just such a, an authentic person. And I felt so happy to have time to connect with you and just nerd out on, on these <laughs> topics and learn from you and just be inspired by what you're doing. And I just feel that the, the genuine energy and the kindness and the love that you have for people, it just exudes outward and it's, you're such a great listener and it's, people aren't always like that. And I just felt really grateful for just getting to spend more time with you. So, wow. Yeah. Well, I received that. <laughs> thank yeah. you, Danny. I yeah. feel the same about you. You're, no, you're fun to you. be around. You're a charger. Like, you know, there's people that you hang around and you feel drained and there's people <laughs> that you hang around and you're like, you could talk to them forever and we're yeah. charged up. So I'm grateful. We spent a lot of time together over the weekend in Sarasota. Yeah. Uh, I acknowledge you for, for making this happen and coming to Miami. And I know it's not hard to convince you to come back to Miami, <laughs> but to record this with me and my audience today, you're uh, doing incredible work. And it's been really cool, by the way, to see how much you've developed, how much you've grown since we first met, what, two years ago or so, maybe mm -hmm. a little bit longer. Yeah. You've been a great friend and supporter, and I learn from you all the time. I learn from you today so much. Thank and uh, just thank you for what you do in the, in the space. It's so needed. And I'm excited for all the cool things you're creating. So everybody, follow Danielle Hamilton. We'll put all of our information down below. Danielle, thank you so much for coming back to the show. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Danny. She's amazing. Her website is danielhamiltonhealth.com. We'll put her social media down below, her YouTube down below. She gifted you a free gift. How freaking cool is that? And you could get that for free by clicking the link down below and using the coupon code KETOCAMP to understand your markers, how to get a CGM, et cetera. This is really important for you to get. And it is free 99. There's no charge. So take action, download it, get it for free. Click the link down below. Use the coupon code KETOCAMP. Follow her on social media. If you want to watch the video interview with me and Danny from my studio, that's on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash KETOCAMP. Share this episode with a friend, somebody you know who's hyper or hypoglycemic, insulin resistant, diabetic, somebody who just wants to optimize their blood sugar levels. When you optimize your blood glucose, you extend your lifespan and your quality of life. Please consider leaving the show a rating and review. Go download the seed oil card over at seedoilcard.com. Check out my heavy metals detox program over at ketocampdetox.com. And I'll see you on the next one. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own. And this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.